Hello, and welcome to Dopey, um, the incredibly controversial podcast about drugs and addiction and stupid stories. I'm Dave. I'm Chris. And here we are, like, from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Chris, Chris feels like it's important to mention that we're from New York or that. Why do you think that? Because I think our it could kind of brand it as a New York sort of edgy thing. I don't know. New York is cool. It's hip. It's in. People like New York. Or they hate it. And even if they hate it, they'll listen to it. But you think if, if we say it's from New York, that's going to impact it at all? Say the lo- Lower East Side, you know? It's a little edgy. I don't think the Lower East Side... I think that's my Brussels sprouts. Oh, you forgot about those, huh? I think my Brussels sprouts are done. Um, Chris, you talk for a second. I'm going to go check the Brussels sprouts. All right. I will... Uh, I'll tell you about Dave's fish tank, which is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Um, it's actually a really nice fish tank. It's huge. It's right in front of me. It's like the type of thing you would see in a, uh, in a like a fancy Chinese restaurant. And um, so he's got this massive fish tank with all these tubes and filtrations and water flows and all this stuff. And it's full of freaking minnows, like two cent fish. And I keep asking, I'm like, you know, why don't you get some better fish? But Did you very... say two cent fish? Yeah, minnows are throwaway. They're fish. not, first of all. Anybody, I don't know who out there, if anybody listens, but I don't know if any of our listeners might be interested in tropical fish. I like tropical fish. My fish tank, first of all, fuck you. Oh, wait, I got a good fish story when you're done with this. Second of all, the fish tank is a planted... When I say planted, it is on the bottom... There's a bunch of grass in there. Just shut up. On the bottom, it's a substrate capable of sustaining plant life. There are many varieties of plants in there. Um, The fish are very small, but there is a reason for it, and they're not minnows. They are assorted tetras, many different styles of tetras. There's cardinal tetras, there's tricolor tetras, there's um, harlequin tetras. You're very very happy with yourself that you just use the word substrate, aren't you? Yeah, but you use a lot of fucking... Words like that. I don't I get sort to. of know what they mean. I know what substrate means. What does it mean? It is a, a material. I don't know what it means. <laughs> Do you know what, sub, what does substrate mean? I don't know. I know they talk about dopaminergic substrates in your brain with something. Substrate. It's like it's like a soily thing at the bottom. But the thing that you don't know about the fish tank, the reason that I have such small fish. There's there's two reasons. Yeah. You want the first reason? So the your dick looks bigger. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna recognize that as a as a as a worthy comment. Hey, you were the one that brought up that subject last time. It's because your story was about masturbating in front of another man, and then you went on to reveal that in prep school, you and your friends would sit around jerking off every night. That's not what I said. It is. That's not what I said. But you're, there's a gist there. You got a gist. I, I, I said that on buprenorphine that made me feel like I was tripping, I took out my flaccid penis and was insecure that it was small. <laughs> because I was in a very, very rough spot. In the same conversation, I said I'm quite happy with my penis size. It just could use a little bit more girth. You know, I saw on Instagram the other day that in like Malaysia or Taiwan or something in 1967, there was the shrinking penis syndrome panic. And it was a form of mass hysteria 
where everybody thought their penis was shrinking and went into the hospital and saw their doctor. Like 600 people. On a side note. That is interesting. Yeah. So, but, you know, the, the stereotype about Asian penises is that they're very small. What could create such a panic? Oh, so supposedly what happened, I actually went and, you know, it was just a little blurb on something. So I, I dug a little deeper to read more about it. And I guess supposedly there was some pig that ate something and his penis fell off or something like, like that. Like a real pig. Like a real pig. And then people were concerned that they ate the pig meat or something like that. Listen, I don't think this story is worth its weight. No, uh, but let me tell you my fish story. That I, I didn't explain the reason why I have small fish. Oh, your, your tetras. Let's hear about your tetras. Do you want to hear the first reason or the and second tetras reason? tetras is a fancy name for a minnow, right? No, minnows come in one form. Look at all the, uh, the fancy tail guppy. You don't see the different colors and the different styles of fish? There's some neon yeah, tetras. There's, there's, a blue there's cardinal one, yeah. tetras. There's tricolor tetras. There's... There's rummy nose tetras. Actually, the rummy nose seems like it's disappeared. But do you want to know why I have the small fish or not? Yes. Do you want to know the first reason or the second reason? I want to know both, and I don't think I have a choice. We can move on. No, no, let's hear it. I want to hear it. Number one, when you have big fish in a tank, the fish don't really have anywhere to go. It seems like they don't have a life. You know, they just like pace in the waiting room of life. So you're a humanitarian. You're a pescatarian. No, because a pescatarian <laughs> eats fish. <laughs> what would have, what would have, like, a, you know, humanitarian, like, they like, fit, like, humans? You're talking about fish's civil rights. Or yes. Something. No, a pescatarian eats fish, number one. I'm an omnivore. And number two, I think it's more about, and I don't feel guilty about many things, but I think if I looked into that fish tank and there were six inch fish or seven inch fish that could swim, swim 22 inches and then have to turn around, it would make me feel anxious. Whereas a small fish that has a huge world to roam. With plenty of substrate. Substrate, plants, wood. I, I feel better about it. They don't, it doesn't look like that they're like, I mean, they don't look so excited right now. But it doesn't look like, I just think that they have a decent life in there. There's a lot of different worlds to explore. They have a lot of different lands. They look but tired from swimming around so much. That's dumb. But the number one reason why I have these fish, you don't know this. In that tank lives three or four varieties of shrimp. Really? Yes. Brine shrimp? No. They would eat the brine shrimp. I have a mono shrimp, cherry shrimp, golden shrimp. Hmm. But I have a feeling that the, and the fish are so small they can't eat the shrimp. Hmm. However, I feed the fish so little I think they've figured out how to eat the shrimp. <laughs> But that was my, my, my plan was to have a multi-species aquarium with shrimp and fish and plants living together harmoniously. That is why I did it. Well, I applaud you. Why? You just fucking started well, the whole thing how bad it was. I know, but you explained everything beautifully and, and now I see you and your fish in a different light. The problem with the tank is that fucking che treasure chest. You see the treasure yeah, chest? Yeah, I see it. You like it? It's all right. I don't like it. <laughs> Well, just stick your hand in there and pull it out. My daughter gave it to me. Oh, yeah. It's in there forever. I don't think she likes it either. I think just her mother likes it. Mm. Yeah, but if you can get your daughter to not like it, then you can take it out because you can tell her mother that your daughter doesn't like it. What's your fish story? Oh, fish story. Yeah. So yeah, I'll tell you the, this little story right here before we get into the um, Dr. Drew Bob Fuller story. You can tell the Dr. Drew story. Yeah. 
Hold Wait, on, so I want to say fish something. Story, the fish story is really good. You like this? I want to say something it's, though. What? It's big news on Dopey. We got our first email from somebody we don't know. Yes. This is a shout out to Troy. Thank you, Troy, for Troy. the. Troy. Uh, Are you sure you don't know Chris? Feedback. Chris, do you really not know Troy? I don't know Troy, man. I mean, I guess I'm also admitting that we've only gotten email. one email <laughs> yeah. in six shows. We haven't gotten feedback, but from all people who. Everybody thinks the show is great. Yeah. Right? Some people think it's a little irresponsible. Who? Some people. Who? Uh, Us? AA people. Who thinks but actually, no, 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 no. This is very. This is very. And it is me. Just oh, shut right. the fuck up, man. <laughs> I open his soda and he fucking tweaks like a little girl. What's wrong with you? I'm pouring in a glass. I'm not touching it. Do I sound like a little girl? That's me. That's my soda. I need it. So there's some AA. Let me tell the fish story, all right? No, 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 no. I'm really, really very interested in hearing. Any feedback that wasn't good, you didn't tell no, me. No, okay, so um, I was in an AA meeting and I was talking to uh, my sponsor's girlfriend. So you're in recovery then? I'm in recovery. Okay. I'm recovered. You're um, not recovered. <laughs> and so I, uh, and I, and she said she's been listening and she likes it. And I said, Your sponsor's girlfriend? Yes. Has been listening and she likes it? Yes. How old is she? Uh, she's 20 something. 25. Is she attractive? Yeah. How old is your sponsor? Uh, he's like 36 or 37 maybe. So he's younger than me too. Yeah. Um. Does he seem wiser than me? He's very wise, yes. Wiser than me and younger than me? <laughs> um, so, yeah, when it was, I asked her, I said, do, do, you th- do you think we're being irresponsible? And she was like, uh, maybe. But I asked my other AA buddies and they, they said, you know, it's a good thing. And I, and I still think that we could turn this a little bit into a recovery thing maybe. Like, Meld it a little bit, you know? But for now, we'll just stick with the war stories. Meld it how? Um, you know, weave it in, you know, one, two, a push-pull. All right, so today's show is going to be about recovery. No. You want it to be about recovery? You're I like to- daring me to say no. <laughs> Great. Today, today Dopey is, a, is called Recovery. It's the recovery show today. You happy? Uh, all right, let me tell the fish story. No, no, no. Let's hear about recovery. Let's hear some fun well, no, stories I'll about weave, I can weave it in. I can weave recovery into any story. Yeah, you know what I mean? want to ruin us. If you want to ruin a story, sure. <laughs> it's just the perspective. Um, okay, so where are we? The fish story. The fish story. Uh, That's so, going to be your story is the fish no, story? No, no, no. We'll do the fish story, then we'll do the Do Drew, you think – you words. don't think weaving recovery in is like – it's like it's like healthy chocolate milk. It, it's like adding something bad or something not palatable to something good. I think it's the pangs of my conscience. Yeah, but we're talking about a product here. You know, and, and, and I think that – listen, I just want to say this. I'm in recovery too. And I actually went, did you go to a meeting today? Uh, I did not. Guess who did? You did? I did. At 7.30? At 7.30 this morning. Wow. Because I know that if I don't go to a meeting, um, I won't be getting um, my medicine. I can't take you serious. You have rib sauce all over your face. It's barbecue sauce. (laughs) Do I really? (laughs) I love it right here. Um... So if I don't pursue my recovery the way I used to pursue right, my I drugs, get point. I get, all is lost. <laughs> I get your point. What? You're just spitting out the platitudes. Platitudes? Is that what the word is? I don't think so. What is platitudes? It's like little, you know, jargon, um, one day at a time, easy does it. Easy does it. 
Why do they say think, think, think? Is that in the book? I don't remember that in the book. You know which one is the worst is uh, play the tape. And I know it's helpful for some people out there, but for me it was like, I don't fuck. Either I can't sufficiently recall the pain and consequences of drug use, so playing the tape is impossible, or I'm just so restless, irritable, and discontent that even if I play the tape and I know what's going to happen, I'll just do it anyways because I'll do anything for me. No, it's because you're – That's my recovery blurb before we get into the – By the way, that's an anti-recovery blurb, first of all. Well, you know play the tape isn't found anywhere in the book. You know, that's because they didn't have tapes in 19-fucking-44. Yeah, but still, it's not something that's it's, – it's silly. It's, it's saying that your addiction will respond to logic and reason, which is totally against what the program's about. Wow. Because if we could logic and reason our way out of it, we wouldn't need it. The idea of play the tape is consider the consequences of your actions. Yes, but if the consequences were sufficient to keep me clean and sober, then I would have gotten clean and sober a long time ago. They were sufficient to get me in the door to try to work a spiritual program, and that is it. I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so no, now, now you see now you're. We're doing recovery. Let's get to the fish story. No, we no, got... no, no, because now I feel like a little bit. I feel less than. You're right. like a fucking sermon on the mount preacher. Fucking, if that? my consequences were enough for me to, it's like give me a fucking break. Okay, so that is not one that you like. So which is one that you like? Um, you don't like easy does it. You don't like think, think, think. No, no. The other ones, I think there's a place for them. I, I just, you know, it's like, yeah, if that's helpful. Playing the tape. The thing I like about playing the tape. Well, you know, I, I, for me, I couldn't stop using until I needed to stop using. You know, it's just, it was just something that happened. Until me. you were beaten into a state of reasonableness. No, I was just done. Yeah. I was just sick done. Sick and tired of being sick and tired? I was... <laughs> no. I've been sick and tired of being Were sick and sick tired. you sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired? Yeah. But I, <laughs> at the end of my using, I was just done. Yeah. There was a... You know, I think that the reason that we shouldn't talk about recovery... It's because you become like a fucking Sunday school teacher on Channel 11, <laughs> like fucking, I don't even know those guys' names, Theodore Clefus or something, <laughs> fucking Jerry Swagger, Jimmy Stewart, what are their names? I don't know, dude. And I become a blithering idiot sitting next to you. I, like, I don't think I can keep up That's with you. That's not your... true. Dave did really well at a meeting last week. I thought it was great. It was straight fire. I was spitting, I was spitting the truth to the young white youth. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's your fucking fish story? Oh, so fish story. I might get in trouble. You know, someone might call PETA on me here. And this is not one of my finer moments, but, um. Hold on. Do you feel comfortable about the recovery that we just put in this thing? Yeah, it's good. Enough recovery. Now we're on to the rest. You feel like. Recovery, depravity. We're on the depravity part now. You're on the depravity train. If you feel, but do you feel, here's the real question. Do you feel that if you do those four minutes of, like, God, I am here, you know, like this, Mm. then that makes up for the debaucherous rest of the show? Kind of. That's all you need to not feel guilty. Pretty much, yeah. All right, I'm in. That's fine. (laughs) Um, So, I haven't told this story in a while. This is just a real quick side note that 
I thought of when Hold Dave on. went to get his. I just realized. I just realized something. Chris has shared with me that he is a germaphobe. Yeah. Because I got a little barbecue sauce on the edge of his Diet Coke. Um, but then I remembered as he is vaping, he's let me share his vape. Was that hard for you? Yeah, but you gotta you gotta give you gotta pass it. You know what I mean? You're saying you gotta pass the vape <laughs> even though you're a germaphobe. It's sort of like you know. Because you would be totally on. If you only have one syringe, you know you're gonna pass. Have you ever shared a needle? Yeah, I use a needle in jail. It's up many a men's butts, probably. This, you saw it come out of somebody else's no, arm. No, I didn't. Oh uh, no, but it was. So listen to this. This fucking syringe. This is horrible. The only thing on it that was actually part of a syringe was the actual little metal needle. Uh-huh. The rest was the shaft of a pen, a piece of a shower sandal piece of uh, elastic from someone's shorts, sandwich baggie, and a piece of an Afro pick. It's called a binky. An Afro pick? Yeah, that was the plunger. The Afro pick went into I, a piece I don't, of the, how, how can you confirm that? Because I think, listen, have to find Eddie. This story. You have to find Eddie from, from uh, Anaheim. This story, this is going straight to the front of the class. I mean, anything you've ever told me pales to this homemade syringe in prison. And you know what's amazing? But you, know what's amazing? you mentioning I don't have hep C. You mentioned right? or AIDS. Or you AIDS. mentioning the afro in the pick totally ruins the story. Why? You say it's from a pick. It's an afro pick. You don't need, black people don't say it's an afro pick. It's they say a pick. it's a pick. Oh pick, okay. Yeah, I think. Well they, they actually had three cones on commissary. There was um, the afro pick, which was for the brothers, and then they had the hand comb, which was for Hispanics. And then they had like a regular barber's comb, which was for the woods, which is what I was part of. Um, so Dave went back in to get his Brussels sprouts. I'm going to start the fish story no, because no, we're no. never going to get to it if he's here. The we're question. not even at the main event. The main event is, is Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the fish story. Is were, a you, were you a racist in prison? No. Well, I mean like I was racist in the sense that I abided by the inmate code, which was don't share with people – don't share with brothers or Asians. This is in Southern California. Asians? Yeah. There's no Asians. Yeah, there's little little Saigons in um, Orange County. Yeah, a lot of Asian members all with the, dragon sleeves No, that's them? Japanese. Um, all the uh, – all the, actually, all the writing was in English, <coughs> uh, Spanish, and Vietnamese. Wow. So who were the most ruthless? Uh, the Serenios. The, uh, the Mexicans. The Mexicans. But that's in Orange County, man. If you go to L.A. County, the brothers got the keys. But the question is, how did the Vietnamese do? Uh, there's not enough. It's all numbers, strength in numbers. And what, what's the Jewish contingency like out there? Because uh, uh, the Jews cannot be included. There was one guy named Schultz. Schultz is Jewish, right? Or so German. Schultz all or the time. German. Oh, or German. Isn't a German Jew? Not all Germans uh, are Jewish. Yeah, I don't and know. There's a lot of Schultzes that weren't Jewish. He didn't look Jewish. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't. The question is... What happens to a Jew like me who looks very Jewish? You would do great in jail because one of the things is it's like what's your stick? It's like high school with an edge, you know, kind of clicky. But if you're a funny guy, as long as you like have respect, look people and I talk to them. But if you're funny, people will love you and you'd do great. I wouldn't have to find the weakest person and punch no, them in the no, face four times? That's, that's all. I don't know. Maybe that, that's like a level – that's a level three or four yard in prison or that's, that's other shit, dude. You did what? I was just in county for how long? Over and over, a little less than two years. In one shot? No. 
I did a year sentence. I did a six-month sentence. How long did you serve the year sentence? You do about two-thirds, a little over two-thirds. You were in jail for seven months? Uh, I was in jail for that one for like 260-something days. Was it the time of your life? You know, I actually laughed harder than I've probably ever laughed in my life sometimes when I was in jail. It sucked, but there were just cr- – I mean, You also like, felt like you were finally somebody, right? Your whole life you no, were I, nobody. No, I felt like I was finally getting what I deserved. Really? I think <laughs> – no, but I bet you – there was an aspect to jail where you felt like you like you were like this privileged white kid who didn't have to do anything. And then finally, they make you survive on your own merits someplace where, where nothing means anything but who you are. And all of a sudden, you leave jail. And I bet you felt much better when you got out than when you went in. And not just because you were free. Because of what you experienced. Well, I also it was- had barely been using for a year. So you're saying it was the cleanliness of the time in jail. You didn't make any pruno in jail? Uh, we did. I made So the first time I did it was when I shared the syringe. That was a six-month sentence. I shared the syringe and made pruno and everything. When I did the year or the whatever, 260 days, I just like bought Seroquel. I didn't do anything. Actually, someone gave me meth at one point. I didn't even do but it. But what about this thing that I'm asking you? What are you asking? You don't think that when you were in jail... It made me someone? No, no. <laughs> it made you somebody, but finally... You were not being taken care of in the same way. I was being taken care of. Just this, the county was doing it for me. So you say what I'm saying is totally worthless. It was just somebody. You don't else. even understand. What I you're understand saying. what you're saying. And, and you, you are you so in denial uh, of your soft upbringing <laughs> that you don't give my theory credence? What that there's a safety blanket that's caught me several times? Is that what you're saying? No, that's obvious. What I'm saying is. That jail, in some ways, had a transformative effect on you, turning you into more of a true person. No, because I mean, in what sense are you saying? Well, I know that the because it was sink or swim. Or what do you mean? The further that I to be just to be honest, yeah. the further that I went downhill, yeah, and the more consequences I had, the more I sort of shed, or in my mind, I shed like the privilege of my life yeah oh yeah so yeah that's true i mean but i'd already been running around on the street and hanging out with like addicts and shit for a long time but it's different once you're in jail because you're not getting away with anything you're not peter pan you're fucking in jail yeah yeah so you're right you are correct i I really brought this this fun (laughs) podcast to a grinding halt (laughs) tell the fish story all right so the fish story uh so this is back in college um and uh so we were sitting around drinking and somehow we started talking about Siamese fighting because this is horrible too. I don't condone this. I'm. It's horrible what, what happened here. Um, Where were you? Uh, I was in a sc- what college? I was at a school I didn't deserve to be at. You don't want to mention this. <laughs> no, he's, such, no, he's, he's unbelievable. <laughs> it was a very fancy school that for people I know are a school. whole lot smarter than that. I, I know the school. <laughs> But I'm um, going to give Chris a break and not mention it. Yeah. You should see him. Thanks, He's on Dave. the edge of his seat <laughs> looking at me at the side. Of the, he gets so nervous about stuff. Uh, well, I didn't finish at that school anyway. So um, they uh, – Should I say what it rhymes with? No, don't say what it rhymes with. So uh, <laughs> we – Does it rhyme with Yarvard? It does not. I know. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. So um, – we were sitting around, we were drinking, we were talking about Siamese fighting fish and, you know, like supposedly can't put them in the same tank because they'll fight. So we decided to do a little experiment and we went to Petco and we bought like a tank like that but much smaller and plastic and a piece of shit. Like, like probably, a five-gallon tank. Yeah. And we got like 20 Siamese fighting fish. Do they fight? 
Yeah, so no, but we're, this, is, this is where the funny part is. We're checking out, right? And time so out, we got, time out. So we got Are there drugs in this story? No, but let me just get to the end okay. real quick. So we got 20 Siamese fighting fish and one tank, and we're checking out Petco, and the 20 Siamese fighting fish are all in separate little baggies. And the woman's like, like you're not. <laughs> like you're you're not putting these in the same tank, are you? And we're like, no. And then my friend goes, oh, he's like, do you have any like big slow fish? <laughs> I know anything's wrong, and they like swarm on it. And um, so yeah, we got all the Siamese. Did fish. you get a big? Slow we got fish? a big slow What'd fish. You get? I don't even know. It was a big beefy slow fish, and it was like twelve bucks. And um, and so we brought them home, and we put them all in the same tank. Again, not condoning this at all. Uh, we thought it was going to be this like crazy whirling dervish, and it really wasn't. A few of them kind of like lock lips, and they would like sort of like attack each other's fins, and sometimes like peel it a little bit. But um, but then uh, one of our friends like rescued them and separated. So no fish was killed. Uh, <laughs> there might have been some that died from malnutrition. How long did you keep them in the tank? They were in there for like, I don't know, a couple of days or something. A couple of days. Did you dechlorinate the water? We didn't do anything. So they probably died from chlorine poisoning because you need to dechlorinate the water. Oh, uh, he took care of them and they were alive later. I know that. So this story really has no, no juice. It has no juice. Except that all of us in the fish-loving community have always wanted to see a Siamese <laughs> fighting scene. I always imagine they like reach into their pots and they pick out nunchucks and they start throwing throwing stars at each other in the tank. There was they all have that. crazy moves. There none was, of them have moves? There was none of that. Um, we're, dude, we're already at 25 minutes. Am I going to tell this story? I should. Let's just crank it out. It's not too long. Let's do it. Brad said not... You just did exactly I, what Brad said not to do. I know. Well, we got this fucking... Nifty little counter on here. It's, I don't even know how that thing makes. Just sense. tell the story. It's got bars or beats. I just want to and say something. Ticks. There's a guy who I'm friends with named Brad, who told me. Hi, Brad. If you're listening. He's listening. He's the only person that always listens. <laughs> um, and Brad and I used to uh, work in television a lot. And Brad still works in television. And um, and Brad said to me years ago. Um, I want to do a podcast about drug stories. Mm-hmm. And then he sta- he started one, but he played recordings of um, like famous people drug stories. Yeah. He put on that. Did you ever hear the Artie Lang pig story? No. It's like the greatest story ever. He, he put a couple on, on a podcast. And then years later, I said, oh, that's a good idea. Years later, um, I was working on a project and Chris hit me up and he was like, Dude, I know something you do is going to be good eventually. I don't think it's this project, but <laughs> and I said, "Okay, let's do a podcast about drug stories." And he was like, "All right." Mm. And then I told Brad and Brad was like, "Cool." And then Brad loved it. And then the other day Brad was like, "You owe me an apology for stealing my idea." Mm. And this is your apology to him right now, so apologize to Brad. Brad Bradley, I'm really really sorry. I think you're a genius. And I, I only wish you well in your life. And uh, Brad is going to be part of the show. Yes. Eventually. If he wants to be. If he wants to be. And, and Brad, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry for every... This is the my, my intro to my ninth step to Brad. My amendment. And let's just... No, my amendment. And you did this harm's done while you were sober. 
Listen, how does that feel? When, when I told Chris That's about this, Chris said, what the fuck, man? Every, every drug user has the idea to make a podcast about drugs. Wasn't that what you said, Chris? Yeah, it's Chris? true. Didn't you say that you had this idea already? Yeah, and I did. What, what the fuck does Brad know? I didn't say that. Didn't that, you say that? I never said that. That is totally made Anyway, so Bradley, Bradley, I love you. I think we need to get Brad. Shut up, <laughs> Bradley. I love you. I'm so sorry. And thank you. And I cannot wait for your contribution to your podcast. Likewise. I second that. Bradley, this is for you. I love you. Anyway, tell your story. Tell my story. Anyway, but Brad said we shouldn't be worried about the time and we shouldn't rush to tell the story. That's why we've been dragging this horrible episode out. All right. Tell the story. Okay. So the timeline is getting... Hold on, hold on. Bradley, I really am sorry. I really am. Do I sound sincere? Yeah, you're sincere. Okay. He's anyway. crying. I'm not crying. Just tell the fucking story. All right. Will you close the door? It's freezing in here. Um, so the timeline's getting a little messed up here. So, you know, we're kind of going back and forth with all these different stories. So the story I'm about to tell you, it is post-Turkey story. And Nobody knows yeah, that I'm just stuff. saying in case they listen to it. It's post-Turkey story and pre-brain injury clinic and pre-Mountain Dew Powerade So this Powerade is before you, cra- you, you cracked your head against the snow. No, this is way after. That happened. You it's said before- pre-snow story. No, no, it's pre-brain injury clinic, but it's post-brain injury. The brain injury happened when I was 17. I didn't go to the brain injury clinic until I was like 26 or something. Okay, so in your, why don't you just say it was in your early 20s? Yeah, was in my, I get it all confused. This is before I, I do more the Powerade story? You know? Before this is bef- the GHB story? This is story? before the Powerade story. And af- before the turkey story? No, no, after the turkey story, before the Powerade, before the brain injury clinic. It's the most worthless fucking uh, explanation I've ever heard. Okay, so um, the uh, Bob Forrest, Dr. Drew story. I keep saying that because that's what we're going to title it, but in actuality, they're pretty pretty small part of this story. I think it should be called the smorgasbord of crap. Yeah, that's a good one, dude. The smorgasbord of crap story. Just fucking tell the story. <laughs> Uh, okay, so in Pasadena, California, uh, still hanging around there, was at his place Impact a couple times. That's where the turkey story sort of happened. Um, and then I was in this Impact place. Impact was a rehab. was a rehab. And then I was in this place called Las Encinas, which um, very large place, and it has all these different uh, kind of like, I guess you call them wards in it, um, with different sort of treatment um, treatment. Styles. Missions or no, nah, yeah, styles, I guess, and sort of like mission statements. You know, there's there's the pure psych ward. There's this psych with drugs, and it's like we treat the the mental illness and then the drugs, and then there's one where they treat the drugs and then the mental illness and then just the drugs. And so you get the idea. There's a bunch of different things. So, anyways, I'd which been, one were you in? I was in every single one of them during my stay, including PAC, which is a lockdown site. If there's a fire in PAC and they don't let you out, you die. Yeah, Yeah. which is just where they send you if you relapse. You never get kicked out of this place unless you like commit a crime. Um, So besides using, besides using, and so I was on the street running around, and uh, I really wasn't. It was the end of my run, you know, tapped out, stealing, you know, beef jerkies and forty. That was sort of my thing, beef jerky and forties. And uh, when I had nothing from the grocery store. And so and I was with this little girl running around and stuff. Uh, uh, she's a sweetheart. She's over five years now. Anyways, we go to check in there. Um, and she doesn't check in. But I ended up 
checking in. And um, something that I mean, probably shouldn't say this, but something that you can do is I went in and I like sat on my hands and pretended to be shaking. And I was like, you know, I've been drinking a handle of vodka a day and, you know, shooting a bundle of dope and taking mad, mad clonopins. And so they're like, these guys are going to seize and all this shit. But like in reality, I had like nothing in my system. So, so you were just trying to get drugs. Yeah. So I was trying to get drugs. So the first thing they did was just max me out and everything. They put me on, uh, um, 24 milligrams of Suboxone. So you just, what did you come in on? Nothing. I just been so why didn't they test you? They didn't. And this was actually, it was a big deal. We'll get to that actually. Because my parents got really upset about that, that they didn't like, they should have done that, you know? Of so course. They, so I'm they, sure you changed the whole yeah, protocol. So they, so they maxed. Do you think you changed the whole protocol? Possibly. Let me tell you the story. You'll hear what happened. I think the show should end. I think it'll be hit 30 minutes. I think, where are we at? I thought we were listening to Brad. That's part of your amends. Oh, yeah, Brad, I'm Listen really sorry. to Brad. <laughs> All right, so, um, so yeah, so they maxed me out, put me on like 24 milligrams of Suboxone, which is ridiculous. Nobody needs that much. Um, and uh, they put me on a bunch of Klonopin and um, – no, they put me on Librium in the beginning. And uh, they gave me 100 milligrams of Librium with a 50 milligram repeat PRN every half hour. I don't hour. like Librium. Yeah, but listen to this shit, dude. So a 50 milligram repeat – PRN every half hour. So I'm just faced from the Suboxone. What does PRN stand for? Uh, patient's request. And I, so I, every 30 minutes I could request another 50 milligrams. So the medical max for and Librium. You did, right? Well, listen to this shit. The medical max for Librium in a day is 400 milligrams. So you're not supposed to have more than 400 milligrams in a day. And the thing is nobody would take that much because you just would like black out and go to sleep. Well, I didn't. And I kept on going back and asking for more Librium. And I remember the guy had like – this guy who was giving it, he was a, a man and had long blonde hair and I'd go up and I was a total dickhead. I was like, you Lance a lot, motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> like give me my liberty, man. So they kept on giving it to me and I got up to like – So eight, you were abusive to this guy. Yeah. And, I, and he kept saying, here's the liberty. Well, he had to because the order was standing. So he kept on giving my Librium, right? And so over, would you get like – Angry like that? Were you were you abusive to when the I staff? mixed when I mixed benzos when I had benzos especially benzos and booze that's when I did the robbery benzos and booze brings out the demons. So the librium was like the benzo. The librium's a benzo. So what was the booze? There was no booze. Maybe a suboxone was the kicker. So when do you get? I, I've never. Well, maybe I've seen you get almost abusive. What? When? I've never been angry. When at Mountainside, you were. Um, you don't mind. You won't mention the college you went to, but you're happy to mention Mountainside. At <laughs> um, Mountainside, you were just um, disruptive. What? In your weird smirky thing, you yeah. sit there and you maybe you never got I disrupted. I didn't make a peep the whole time I was there. You didn't get angular and angry ever. No. So I've never seen you be abusive. No, I honestly have never been angry. So why angry were you so abusive, abusive to this guy? Because I was intoxicated. I was just yelling at So him. when you do drugs and drink, you get abused? When I – it's usually the only time that's ever happened where I've gotten, you know, a twinge of violence is with alcohol and benzos. I was always a happy drunk and – but towards the end, it started to be like, you know, one out of every ten times I could get – be an angry drunk. And it used to be never, you know. It was trending in a bad direction. Um, so anyways – the Librium. He keeps on giving me 50 milligrams every half hour and I just keep going up for like eight hours, right? Mm -hmm. And I ended up taking like 800 milligrams of Librium. They didn't realize there was a cutoff limit and I blacked out and I was just a fucking – I lost two weeks. I was a total mess, right? And so I was in – uh, you lost two weeks? 
I lost, I lost, I don't remember two weeks, like straight, you know, I was just so fucked up. Right. And they kept getting, and then I was also on like a, a scheduled doses with the PRN. And so they, um, I was in two East. That was the name of the place. I remember. And they transferred me to maybe it was Gables or something. I forget. It seems it was, like you remember Gables. a lot. Yeah. I, well, cause I was in this three. rehab for eight months. Right? right. And so, uh, so they transferred me and they actually transferred me to Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest, but Dr. Drew was the you know the physician, my my prescribing. If you physician. don't know who these guys are, they were the guys on um, Celebrity Detox, Celebrity Rehab, Celebrity Rehab. And Dr. Drew does Love Line, and Bob Forrest is just the man. But anyways, Bob um, Forrest was in um, a band, Thelonious Monk, Thelonious Monk. No, Thelonious, Thelonious Monster, Thelonious Monster. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Um, not Thelonious. Yeah. Um, so Thelonious Monk was a yeah jazz the guy pianist, yeah yeah right. Yeah, I was like an older guy. He's dead. Yeah, he's oh. dead. <laughs> <laughs> so they transferred me to Dr. Drew, uh, who, and I was just coming out, who figured out what happened. You know, he figured out what was going on. And I don't remember much from my interaction with Dr. Drew. I remember two things. That's it. And he definitely wouldn't remember me. Um, or maybe he would. I don't know. But anyways... They transferred me to him and I remember sitting in his office with Bob Forrest and with a bunch of other people. And for some reason at this period in my life, I was just absolutely obsessed with The Matrix. And I remember just asking Dr. Drew, how can you prove this is reality? And his response was, whether it's reality or not, you're going to die. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty, you know. And it's your mission to bring recovery into our podcast. So here, yeah. here it is. No, no, that's it. But anyways, and the other thing with Drew is I remember I used to wait in the parking lot when he would come in because that little girl that I was running around with, she would come visit me. Um, I say little girl, but I was like 20-something. She was like 22 or something. Was, um, was she little, like small? I don't know. It was average size. So why would you call her a little girl? Because now I think back and like she seems like a little girl, you know? Um, How would so, you meet her? Rehab impact, the first one. Nice. Uh, so, anyways, so she, so she would come back, and I remember waiting in the parking lot for Doctor Drew to try to get him to let me hang out with her alone in my room. How would would he would that ever happen with anybody? Uh, actually, it did. There was a couple married. Uh, it was a married couple that had uh, conjugals, basically, and they don't call it that, and they pretend they weren't doing that, but they let him. They let him like be alone in their room. Do they let you do it? Checking. No. No. <laughs> um, so I, you would be in the facility and you'd go to the parking lot to to see her. Yeah. For so, 38 minutes. Dude, this story's got another 15 minutes in it too. It's cruising. Let's just go. We'll, we'll let her rip. All right. All right. So I'm in this place for a long ass time. Um, and I want to say I've had several counts. Dr. Uh, Bob Ford, Dr. Drew, I just remember I respected him. He was smart. I liked him as much as like I was like, you know, celebrity rehab is like – Kind of silly. And was it before celebrity? It was before yeah. that, you know. But even now, I'm saying with that, I'm like, but he was like a legit guy. Uh, I remember thinking that, and uh, I've actually defended him a couple times with other people who were like, like he doesn't have a background in addictions and whatnot. But I was like, he did a really good seminar. The parents would sit in on the neuroscience, and I just thought he cared and was well spoken and intelligent. But in terms of actual treatment and relational skills, Bob Forrest was a really good guy, um, and. Uh, he, I saw him because I was there eight months, and I'd always see him. He kind of make fun of me, and I, he probably wouldn't remember me either. But he'd make fun of me because the average length of stay was twenty eight days. You know what I mean? This wasn't a place that had an extended program. But that's like your shtick. You go to places where the average stay is twenty eight days, and you stay six months. Yeah. 
because this is not the first time that happened, and yeah. it wasn't the last, was it? It wasn't. How the many last. treatments would you say you stayed seven times longer than the average patient? Because now I know of two. How many would times did you say this happened? Well, Mountain Side I don't even consider because Mountain Side had an extended program. This didn't even have it. But you were not in the extended program for five months. Yeah. No, for a couple months. I was in phase four there. Eventually, but Eventually. most people do 20. Yeah, so how days. many? I don't know. A bunch, dude. A lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Answer the question. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so yeah, so I'm at this place. Anyways, I end up relapsing there because you can actually. Um, there's doctor's offices there and some of the wards aren't locked down. So you can walk around and you could technically run out of the treatment center, go buy booze or go buy drugs and run back and nobody would notice. Um, but you had to do it quick because they would do checks on people like once every hour. It was like a code green or some shit. And, uh, if it was more than a couple hours, they call code green and that means they couldn't locate someone. And I remember there was like a code red or something or a code pink and it meant somebody was flipping out. And the people in the white coats, like orderlies, were going to take them down. So they used to be like code pink, like Northwest Terrace. And I'd be in group and I would just fucking book it and run out. And they'd be like, Chris, no. And I'd just be going to watch because somebody would be getting taken down, which it did happen to me a couple times too. Where you got taken down. Where I got taken down. Because I found out, and this is super sick, that if you are in one of the psych ones, this isn't where uh, Drew and Forrest were, one of the psych ones, and you flip out. They put you in a five-point restraint, and they give you an injection of Haldol and Ativan. And you the Haldol that. sucked, but the Ativan was pretty fucking nice. And, and you, you just wake that. up the next day. You wanted that. Yeah, so a couple times I flipped out what just to do, do that. One of them, uh, I took a, the top of the toilet bowl, a ceramic, and they had uh, all chicken wire on the windows, and I started bashing the window. With just the to get wire. the injection? And they came in and gave me the injection. Like Pavlov's dog. Yeah, I guess. Like, not really, but... Well, you bang... It's like you weren't really aggro... <laughs> You're beating a fucking no, toilet Pavlov's seat. No, Pavlov's dog would be if somebody else started banging the windows and then I knew I was going to get an injection. It would be if someone else started banging it and then I got excited for the injection. You're talking about classical and operant conditioning. Listen, what I'm saying <laughs> is that you were not crazy. Well, maybe you were crazy. But what I'm saying is you took the toilet seat off, beat it against the chicken wire, and they responded... The way if you yeah. ring a bell okay, I, and I, I feed the dog, what you're saying. Right, they yeah. are the dog, and they inject you with the Hal doll. Like, is that wrong? Yeah, I, you're you're on to something. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but that's pathetic. Um, it is pathetic. Yeah, and uh, oh, so yeah, this would happen in this happened in Pack, and this is the lockdown where if there's a fire, you die. In Pack, man, like that wasn't for drug addicts, but in if you Pack, man, no, I mean in Pack, comma man, I got you. If if you if you were in there, man, you were in there for serious SMI, like uh, severe mental illness. You weren't there. SMI. You, you weren't there because you were uh, a drug addict. But that's just where they sent me when I relapsed. Uh, so I was in PAC this one time. You like this story. And I'm watching uh, – I don't remember. It was Nacho Libre or something. The one with Jack Black. He's like a Mexican wrestler. Yes. And this kid sits down. Everybody's fucking Looney Tunes in there, right? And this kid sits down next to me and I look over at him. And I'm like, hmm, I'm like, those look like my socks. You know, they're all in our, like, socks and slippers and shit. And then I see his, his sweatpants, and I'm like, those are, those look like the same sweatpants I got. And I notice there's a fray, and I'm like, 
those are my sweatpants. I'm like, oh, he's wearing my T-shirt. He's wearing my socks, my sweatpants, and my T-shirt. This guy was so gone. Was he, he your go, roommate? No, they're you all your own room. He'd go into other people's rooms, take a shower, and put their clothes on. He so what did you do? Did you rip the toilet seat off I and started, beat him in the face? <laughs> <laughs> See, you would have gotten kicked out for that. Uh, so I started laughing. Um, I actually started laughing, and then I told them, and they actually like commended me for you know taking it so well. You know, uh, I thought it was hilarious. Um, so yeah, this place was pretty nutty. I remember at one point I was on thirty milligram injections of Zyprexa every night. Zyprexa is an antipsychotic, and uh, they actually told me that. Why my, were you, the doctor why were you says, on that? This is the doctor says to me. He goes, "So we're going to switch you from Seroquel to Zyprexa." And I was on 1,200 milligrams of syrup, massive doses of stuff. They were just fucking sedating me, right? And uh, he's like, we're going to switch you to Zyprexa. And he's like, it's available in a pill in an injection form. <laughs> and uh, like I could pick. And I said, You're oh, like- I'll, t- I'll take the injection. And he, he turns to me and he goes, I've been doing this for 20 years. He goes, I've never had somebody opt for the injection. So you'd go up to the little med line, you know, where they open the window every night, everybody gets their medication, and it would get to me, and the moment the the nurse would, like, sigh, because she'd have to draw up a shot, and we'd go in the bathroom, and I'd have to pull down my pants, and she'd inject it in my butt. Intramuscular. And then I would be, like, in the bathroom, and I don't even know if you can do this. I'd be like, can you, uh, can I just get that? Like, because I wanted to mainline. (laughs) He's like, no, you're not going to get it. Well, what would the difference have been? I don't know. I just wanted to name it. This, by the way, we're, we're at we're at forty four minutes. Yeah. Chris is in heaven talking about injecting Zyprexa, and this is like this is where we get into the real heart of darkness. No, you want to hear the worst is later on in this treatment. This is really fat, sad. All right, I would cheek my psych meds. Right, this is in a different ward in the same treatment center, and I had a syringe. And uh, I would take the psych meds and I'd mix it up. And I remember I stole a different antipsychotic. I think it was geodone or something. And I drew it up, right? And then I, you know, I hit myself and I registered. That's when the blood flows in. And so the blood flowed into the needle and it didn't mix. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it was like all white and then all blood. Like my blood refused to mix with the medicine. Like they were like anti-whatever. And I was like, fuck it. Because it's it not supposed to be an intravenous drug. Well, I, well, some drugs mix. You know, most drugs drink. Even if it's not supposed to be intravenous, you know, you're just cheeking it. But this one wouldn't mix. And I still just... So what happens if it doesn't mix? I don't know. I shot it. So do you, whatever. The blood goes back in and then the stuff anything. goes in. It doesn't matter. What do you mean? I mean, what I'm you, understanding... You think that it should mix with your blood so when it gets to your liver. So what that means is my liver was just like processed. Like the blood was going to it. And then all of a sudden you just got a shot of Milky White stuff. <laughs> when usually that mixes, you know? I'm assuming that's not safe. That's all I'm saying. I don't think shooting anything really is that safe. You don't know what anything and, is. Well, at the same treatment center, you said vodka shooter in the first thing. This is the one where I started sh- injecting vodka and they found me non-responsive. Which you don't – I didn't even feel anything from it. But they found me non-responsive and took me to the emergency room. You were shooting vodka in the center? In the center, yeah. Where would you get the vodka? Uh, I would run out and – it depends what ward you were in. Do you know what I mean? Some were locked down. There's like This sounds like the worst treatment center in the <laughs> history. Pretty, You're like fucking – they're crazy, shooting dude. you up. They're giving you 800 milligrams of Librium a day. <laughs> You're buying vodka. You have needles. It's like – this is like – see, when I was in treatment with Chris, the funniest thing is that you know Chris was kind of dark when I got there. And he would say to me, don't you wish there would be – like the reverse treatment center where you could just go to this place and they just give you drugs. And I was like, yeah. And it sounds like this is that place. 
<laughs> doesn't it? In some respect, it was. It definitely wasn't the type of place that they were like, you know, controlled substances were allowed. But again, it depends which way you went. If you were in, I see why you them- needed to give your recovery spiel at the beginning of this one because this is. This, this is a bad is, one. This isn't even. This the, makes me feel like an amateur, dude. This isn't even the end of the story. The end of the story is the blowout. Should we fast forward to that? Uh, yeah. All right. Please. So sorry, Brad, but this is getting a little out of hand. So I had been sentenced to go to jail, right? You know, I've been fighting this case for two years. This was my first sentence. It was six months in jail, and then after jail, I had to complete. You belonged in jail. I did. You had to complete a year of treatment. So I was fucking so depressed too. I was like, you know, I've been in treatment for years and it was like, I need to leave treatment, go to jail for six months to come back to treatment for a year, right? And so uh, I had my drug dealer, this is a fucking crazy ass story, right? So I had my drug dealer come and he was bringing drugs onto the site, right? And um, White guy, black guy, Spanish. He's a white guy. He wasn't even a drug dealer. He was like a middle guy, you know? And so he came and brought me drugs and he left and then someone had noticed he was there and they started searching my room, right? And I'm actually fast forwarding, glazing over a bunch of stuff just because this will take forever to get through. So anyways, Do you want the to crash, nah, the, I'll give you the crash course, all right? So um, I'm supposed to turn myself into jail in like three weeks and the judge even said, he said, if you pick up a new charge in the meantime, I'll make sure you do your max term. Which was max term consecutive, which would have been 10 years. It was seven for one case and three for another. If so you I, did what? If I got a new charge between then and when I have to turn myself in. And I was in treatment. So anyways, I'm having the drug dealer bring drugs and the guy saw it and he was like, well, uh, one of the – they told one of the staff members and the staff members started searching my room, right? And there was someone searching room and then someone searching after them. So they were definitely going to find I had meth and a, a syringe. And I just meth. Yeah, and I just showed them where it is. And the guy's like, thanks for showing me. You know the deal. You're going to have to go to pack. It's a lockdown. And, I, ha- and I, I picked it out to show it to him. And he hands it. He's like, give it to me. And I refused to give it to the staff member. And the look on his face was like he never believed in a million years someone would refuse to hand over narcotics while in a treatment center. You know. And he's like, okay, here's your option. Security is going to come and take you to pack if you give it to me now or we call the police. You know what I mean? And then I gave it to him, right? And so he leaves the room. What so, were you – were you like – you just didn't want to give it to him? No, I didn't want to give it to him. So when he said that, did you like sober up in your head and be like, I don't the want police. them to call the police? Yeah, so then I gave it to him. So wh- what happened now is uh, he leaves the room. Uh, security's on the way to take me to one of the lockdown wards. And I'm like, all right, I am going to uh, book it. I have $20, right, and uh, I could go get drunk. And so I run out of the treatment center, not to return, not to come back. I just left, right? I go face. Wouldn't that have been a charge? Yeah, because let me get there. You'll hear this shit, right? So I go face. But uh, you hand the fucking meth back. Yeah, they don't care. They wouldn't turn it in. They'll just throw it away. The treatment center won't. But I'm saying if you're going to leave anyway to get drunk, why would you give the meth back? Because they would call the cops. But wouldn't they call the cops for you leaving? No. Okay. Uh, so I run out of the treatment center. And I go face a bottle of vodka, like straight face a fifth, which is impressive, you know, like a lot. That's a lot, right? And there was this girl who was in one of the lockdown wards. Um, her name is Debbie, right? And then I call up, <laughs> I call up Debbie. For, actually, before I called up Debbie, I had a family member who was going to be staying in the area, and she was staying at a fancy hotel. 
And uh, she was supposed to be there in like two weeks. So I called up the fancy hotel. I said, hey, this is so-and-so, pretending to be my sister, which they don't even they don't even question. No, they, I didn't even try that. I just said normal voice. And I said, I was wondering if I could check in earlier. So you called as a woman with your no, voice? No, I didn't call. I just called and just said I was my, my sister's name, which is actually kind of like a androgynous sort of name. So, And uh, I was like, can I check in earlier? And they were like, do, 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 on the computer. And they're like, okay, which means there's already a credit card on file. So I was like, can I check in tonight? And they're like, okay. So I was like, all right, I'll be there in an hour. So I'm outside the treatment center a few blocks away, and I call the payphone in one of the lockdown wards with this girl I liked. Her name was Debbie. And the payphone's ringing. There's like 50 people in this lockdown ward. Phone answers. It happens to be Debbie who even answers the phone, which is amazing. Were you drunk already? <laughs> 50 people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was – onset was coming. And so I uh, – Debbie answers the phone. I'm like, Debbie, you want to go get high at the, this hotel, right? And She's like, all right. She's like, what do I do? I was like, well, I was like, run across the street. I'll meet you. She's like, there's alarm. So this this was a lockdown ward where you could walk out, but an alarm would go off. So hang up the phone. She runs outside. The alarm's going off. She runs across the street. A couple little orderlies come. They'll chase you like a little bit. But then she runs. We go to the hotel. Check in at the hotel, and I charge room vouchers to stay at the hotel, like gift certificates. And I'm trading those for drugs and just charging them to the room. How do you do that? You go to the gift shop and you get a gift certificate made and you ask them to charge it to your room. And I'm giving drug dealers vouchers to stay at the hotel. So what'd you get? I got heroin and ecstasy. You don't ask and, me. And these, and these heroin dealers wanted the vouchers at the hotel. Yeah, but I was they were doing happy. Extremely discounted. It was like a hundred dollar, a three hundred dollar voucher. I get like a hundred dollars worth of drugs. Wow! Imagine yeah. the dealer when he comes back. Yeah. So, anyway, so listen to this. So he could stay at the hotel with that. Yeah, he could use the voucher later on. So um, was he happy to do that? Yeah, they, yeah, they're fine with that. Okay. Yeah, I've traded steaks for heroin. Um, so I'm doing drugs there at this point. Um, you know, they figure out what happened and where I am. We've been there for like two days, and um, they actually revoked my bail. This was instead of telling the judge what happened, they revoked my bail. This is my lawyer, and they send bounty hunters after me. So there's a ring at the doorbell. And I look outside the little peephole. Is it Dog the Bounty Hunter? It was not Dog the Bounty Hunter. It was actually just a little waiter with room service. And I was like, hmm, I don't remember ordering. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't remember ordering room service. And you were high. And I was high. Yeah, yeah, and I was high. And I opened the door. And fucking as soon as I opened the door, these guys come in with tasers. Get on the fucking floor. Where's the drugs? There's bounty. And they're scary, dude. Come in. Dude, this chick I was with was so down. And, I, and she knew if I got new charges. Debbie Downer. I was gonna do, yeah. She knew if I got new charges, I was going to do like 10 years. She's telling them the drugs are mine and they're in my pocket. You know? I'm like, crazy. I couldn't believe it, you know? But anyways, they didn't buy that. And so they go to take me to escort me to go to jail, right? And we're driving there and – Basically, what my my lawyer is going to say when I'm in custody on the dance to turn myself in in front of the judge, I'd already be in custody, was that I decided to just go in early because I haven't got any new charges. So instead, so they tried to just get me into jail so I don't commit a crime and get this massive prison sentence, right? Instead of the six months. So we're driving from LA County to Orange County, and I'm telling the uh, the bounty hunters, I said, look, they have the drugs and they're like going to turn it in. They're like, I'm like, look, if you turn those drugs in. I'm going to go from doing a six-month sentence to a 10-year sentence. Like, please don't turn them in. One of the guys, I'd been talking to them. They were nice guys. One of the guys was like, okay, we don't have to turn it in. The other guy's like, no, I'm turning it in. Like, that's what I do. You know what I mean? Like, and You're like, I'll give you a 300 hotel <laughs> voucher if you can give it back to me right now. Uh, 
And literally, though, we get to the jail, and the bounty hunter's boss, the guy who owns the company, is there. And because he, he works with worked with my attorney, he says, "Do not turn those drugs in." And the guy still is like, "I'm going to turn them in," even though his boss is telling him not to. So I go show up, right? And they're like, "You know, go to check myself in or whatever." Uh, they go to check me in, and um, and then they like, and we found this on them, and they put down syringes, you know, balloons, and uh, ecstasy. And the guy, like, at the at the, the county jail, he, like, sighs, and he's like, what is this? And they were like, you know, it's narcotics. And uh, he's like, where'd you pick them up? And they're like, in uh, Pasadena. And they're like, oh, that's L.A. County. They're like, you need to turn those in in L.A. County. <laughs> because he, they were just lazy and didn't want to process it. Or maybe they were supposed to. I don't know if they were just lazy. Maybe they were on your parents' payroll also. They were not on their parents' payroll. Uh, and so... Uh, what happens is they couldn't turn it in because bounty hunters are supposed to notify the local police before if they pick somebody, no before they pick somebody up the way they picked me up because there could be a scene which they didn't do so I remember I'm getting like checked in to go away to do my sentence and they literally I watched them throw it in the trash can outside the jail so there's a you a got bullet. incredibly lucky. I am so fucking lucky that's a crazy story. that's a god shot right. I don't like that phrase. God shot. I don't think that's a god shot. I think you got lucky. <laughs> well, you know, I just played the tape and it was a god shot. Dude, do you like that <laughs> phrase? God shot? I hate play the tape. You know that. I think I hate god shot more than play the tape. Yeah, I don't, well, god shot was actually an impact thing. I remember. I think I learned that there. Oh, people say god shot. I just want to throw up. So look, this is a record. 56 minutes it's and a- uh, 1,697 bars. Do for, you For think- those of you that are musically inclined. Just shut up. Do you think... <laughs> Honestly, first of all, I have to commend you because I don't think that I will tell a story that comes close. You know, I don't. I don't think there is a story I have shooting hydroxy and what is it? Alzine? What is it? The antipsychotic. The antipsychotic they were giving me was Zyprexa when I would flip out. They'd, they'd give me Haldol and Adamant. That's just this, like a fucking. This is why when I stole Brad's idea. I went to Chris because the the scope of his mental illness, his SMI, slash SMI the scope <laughs> of his severe mental illness and drug addiction and mm. alcoholic brain is just it is something to behold. I have to say, and um, I wish you guys could be here with me. And, Give Chris the round of applause. I don't know if that's applause worthy. I wouldn't say. Dude, it is fucking SMI. Severe. (laughs) Severe. Severe. Not, I don't mean severe mental illness. I just think it's funny that you say SMI as severe mental illness. But this story, I cannot imagine you have one that can compete with this one. I have several. Like this? Yes. Fucking wow. That Mm. is. But yeah. that one is the worst because it was like you're about I was to in go a to treatment. Yeah, and you're going to jail. <laughs> I just didn't give a fuck. I was. I am extremely lucky and grateful and well that I'm in one piece and alive right now. Yeah, I'm healthy. so grateful for your health and well being. Also, and and also, it really you know, God shot program whatever you want to call it. At some point, Chris caught up with himself. And here yeah. we are. Um, amazing story, though. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. if you want to be on the show, write an email. If you want to tell us that the show is too long, the show is too short, the show should be about recovery, 
whatever, write an email um, to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you.